Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing the Vice President of Economic Development for Johns Hopkins University and the Johns Hopkins Health System in Baltimore, Maryland. Please welcome Alicia Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Welcome. My pleasure to be on here. This is, I think this is going to be great. I, I've, I've noticed, um, I, I followed along a few times. Um, there were some videos that went out there about entrepreneurs, I believe. Um, Kelly, Aunt Kelly's Cookies was on and definitely yes. a fan. And I was, uh, I was live, I was live responding. It was great. So, um, but I want to step back a little bit. We'll talk about that probably a little bit, but um, give me the vital stats. What's your background? And um, I have some questions, but I'll, let's just start right there. Give me those vital stats. What's your background? So, sure. I'm um, so I'm from Baltimore, uh, native, grew up in East Baltimore. I've always lived in East Baltimore. Um, let's go. <laughs> uh, I went to, because it's so important in Baltimore to say this, I went to Murrow for high school. I went to UMBC for undergrad and I went to the University of Maryland School of Law for law school. So I'm a lawyer by training, um, have had, I feel like five careers in the past span of like 13, 14 years, uh, which has been amazing. Um, I was a law firm partner, a senior vice president uh, for impact investments for a large development project and now get to work at Hopkins. Um, and in between that have done a really a lot of really fun and exciting and edifying things in the community as a part of sort of my work, which I think of my work more, much more broadly than what I get paid to do. Yeah. And um, that really has prepared me for this time that I'm in now. And so um, I'm a girl from Baltimore that had some unbelievable things happen to her and for her which is, um, feel very blessed to have grown up here and, and have all the opportunities that I've had being in Baltimore. That's, that's great. And it's great to hear that connection of Baltimore and opportunities. You know, yeah. um, I went to city, so gang, gang, uh, <laughs> yeah. right up the street, the castle on the hill. Yeah, I was very close to going to Maravo and I wanted to go there for like drafting or something. And my parents uh -huh. looked at me, gave me the side eye. They were like, nah, you're not. Uh, All of my uh, uncles went to Maravo. So they were like, nah, you're going to do something different. Uh, you could have come and had fun with us, but no, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. A lot of so, great schools. So with that, it's, it's two like sub questions within that. Sure. Define for you, what is hard work? What does that look like in... <laughs> What really inspires you to to give of yourself so often? Because I, I noticed that's a theme in the work that you're doing and the theme within the bio and all. So I wanted to kind of get that that background on what does hard work look like for you in very broad terms? And really, what inspires you to give so often of yourself? Yeah. Um, so um, hard work for me really is like the utilization of the gifts that God has given me and applying them in my community to the best of my ability. I saw this quote today and it actually, I had to take it down, which is like when, um, at the end of my days, um, when I stand before God, I wanna say I used every gift that you gave me to the fullest. And so for me, that's really the hard work that I try to engage in. With respect to like why I enjoy being not just in my community, of, but of and work tirelessly you know I, i'd have to say that um you know my bio i'm very i'm i'm proud of my bio but more importantly i'm proud of the fact that my bio reflects 
um, the fact that a lot of people um, took a chance and gave an opportunity to someone that wasn't, um, you know, in the traditional, you know, traditionally in, in the places where opportunity may ordinarily you thought it had been. And they gave me a, a chance. And really at some really critical moments in my life, people made the, all the difference. And so for me, I feel like uh, it would be robbery if I didn't do the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people say, you know, like, well, give out of your excess. But I feel like those people gave to me out of their out of their own. Yeah. Um, and that's why it has been so critical to my success. And so for me, it's, you know, it's just a, it's just a natural flow to give, you know, to try to give back where I've, I've been planted. That's great. And it is kind of a natural segue. Maybe the way that I order these questions, but tell me about a, a time that really sticks out to you where someone like paid it forward. Like, you know, and I think that's ultimately what you're touching on where someone paid it forward that really kind of sticks out that, this was huge. This was very impactful. May have been a time from your youth. It may have been a time from your, your undergrad or even um, in law school or what have you, even professionally where someone paid it forward and gave you like a really opportunity that was uh, transformative within your maturation. Yeah. Um, I, I, I many times use this one because this example, because for me, um, it is post both most reflective of what I think is like the most purest giving that people can do. When I was 15 years old, um, a woman named Ava Lies Booker, and I always say her name because she is just uh, an angel and a, and a beacon of light for me. Um, she was a, a, she may have been an early partner in her career. She was a law firm partner and I was 15 years old. And um, she gave me her business card. I met her at, um, a dinner, gave me her business card and said, you know, if you use this business card, um, I'll be with you for the rest of your life. I'll help you. I'll coach you. I'll make sure that you understand you don't have to live every lesson that you need to learn in order to be successful. And to me, she had nothing to gain from helping a 15 year old. Like she wasn't going to get any awards. Nobody was going like, pull out a band and, and like Martin and, and give her a parade. Yeah. Um, she wasn't going to get another dollar in her paycheck. That was really like selfless, like giving yeah. and to pour into a 15 year old who couldn't have even imagined the life that she was living, nor could imagine life that I get to live now. Yeah. Um, that was a real selfless act. Um, and for me, like when young people ask me to do things like or ask for my advice or ask me to mentor them, I think about that moment because she probably was really busy, yeah. had no she didn't get anything from giving to me other than knowing that the lessons that she learned, she was going to pass down to somebody. She was going to make it a little easier for them to come behind her. And so for that, I'd like. I thank God for Ava. I'm thankful for people like her who are doing that for young people in our city and who are giving them opportunities. Um, when others may say, I don't have time yeah. to deal with that. I, you know, I'm doing my own career. I'm, I'm trying to build my own life. Like I don't have time to deal with them. She didn't do that. And so for that, I'm forever grateful to her for that. 
it's a, it's a great, great thing. It's a great thing to get that from someone where someone's able to lean in and I try to do it in the, the things that I'm doing. Like so many people talk about, Oh, podcasting. Oh, it's so hot. It's so cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little cynical about it, but also I, I like to help people. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's been a few instances where I've mentored people who are trying to get into it, especially like, yeah. you know, like young folks or what have you. And I frame it because I, I need to feel, I need to feel like I'm cool. Right. Um, yep. cause I don't, I don't want to be dad. Um, but I like to frame right. it, like learn from my mistakes and I've made all of them. This is the path of least resistance and be able to pass that forward, whether it be to a small cohort at like Hopkins or or um, with just like individual, like high school students, it's like, hey, this is how you could go about it. And yeah. I'm just going to give away because I've been doing this for 13 years. And it's like, this is something that's going to make it easier for you to go about it. And for me, it's like, if you can learn this or learn enough of it that you can apply it, you can pass that on and you can make it an easier thing for you. And then ultimately, it enables people who are, I, I think, often overlooked to be able to have expression, especially from here. Yeah, absolutely. So we have similar backgrounds with the East Baltimore connection. So, so tell me what it was like growing up in East Baltimore and were there any lessons that that you learned that can be applied to becoming a lawyer or be applied to within your work uh, in economic development? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, Eastsiders always have my heart because it's just, we're just a special people. We just understand the world a little bit differently than everybody else. But no, I I would say a couple of things to growing up in East Baltimore. And I'm really thankful that I grew up in East Baltimore during the time that I did, which was like the eighties and the nineties. And that I had two parents who actually drove home some things that I think have been fundamental to me in my success. My dad always said, you know, um, we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> um, we um, every paycheck that comes in here pays everything in here. <laughs> and then we need to do that again <laughs> in order for things to get paid. Um, but he told me the thing that doesn't. So money has limits. Yeah. But what doesn't have limits is relationships, our relationships. And for me, I think East Baltimore is reflective of the fact that you can be or you can be lower middle class, you can be middle class, and you can be rich in East Baltimore at the same time because you can be rich in relationships. So the things that other people can't figure out, like, oh, so how did you get to school? Well, 10 of us got into one station wagon and we all got to school on time because otherwise we would have been late having to come from East Baltimore to get over to Mervo in time. And so... Yeah, we we all did that. And people pull together resources in order to make things happen. Um, And so I think that that taught me in many ways as a lawyer in economic development to draw upon relationships to make things happen. Um, And I think that's been just a significant tool because it taught me early on to value relationship, value people. Um, to not judge them by what others may judge them by, by the you know size of their checkbooks, yeah. but rather by the size of their heart and the, and the capacity for their give. And that's not depending upon what they have. It's about what they, the spirit in which they want to, they want to contribute to this world. And so for me, as I, you know, as a lawyer, you know, I built a significant book of business 
mm-hmm. off of people who other people discounted because they didn't realize that you can build a book of business in a community that, um, you know, because people trust you, they'll yeah. pay you $500, whereas, you know, you're looking for the $5,000, the $50,000 client. I'm okay with the $500 client yeah. um, because that's going to lead me somewhere. So I think like the value of relationships really, I think East Baltimore teaches you that because we, we thrive off of it. It's the way we navigate the world. And I think that was just great lessons to learn for how I've been able to navigate my whole career um, to this point. That's that's legit. It's I, I I'm realizing that in doing this this series this project here, where for the longest time I shied away from it out of being shy or not wanting to be out there, wanting to be um just like hidden. It's like oh, and the guy behind the the headphones, you'll never see me. And then because it's 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 hard in public because I'm very noticeable. And um in doing this, it is connections, and that's ultimately what I am good at, I think. And it's returning to your square. Like, that's a natural thing been bred in you, like you were saying. And being in East Baltimore, you run into that. And I would see my dad doing it when I was a kid. And I'm like, how do you know everybody? And now, as a, you know, 36 year old, I'm like, yo, I'm doing the same thing right now. Like, you know, people will say, oh, that's Rob Lee right there. Oh, yeah, truth is all. Yeah, that's, you know, yo, come through, man. And it's like, wow. This is, you know, a cyclical and it's through establishing these connections and even, you know, piggybacking on what you were saying earlier about maybe someone's cast this person to the side based on whatever bias. Right. I the the, the crux of what this podcast is about is really Baltimore. And it's yeah. like we've been cast to the side as, yeah. oh, you're not worthy or only this is going on. And there's a lot of light and a lot of creativity and a lot of just good people here that yeah. don't get their like personhood, if you will. They don't get that humanity. And yeah. That's what I think at the crux, what I always return to is what I aim to do and what I have been doing with this particular project. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You're so right on that. So this is the this is the thickest question that I have. And this is multiple words. I don't know why I wrote it so long. Anyway, uh, so I read this 2020 excerpt from the Daily Record where you describe the current state of Baltimore as I think that Baltimore is sort of like an individual. That's good. That's a good person, uh, like a really good person at heart, has a charming demeanor, but it's imperfect. And um, and it has things that it must work on. Um, is that the same for you now, that 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 perspective? And um, what are a few things that come to mind that might be low hanging fruit that we could work on here in, in Baltimore? And for, for context, I agree exactly what you said there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I still think that Baltimore is like a, a human. And I think like, you know, good at its heart, um, um, challenged, uh, imperfect, yeah. um, um, should never be reduced to its worst or its best. Um, but it's a sum total of all of these different experiences that it has and it gives out. And so if you sum it all up, Baltimore is a good city. I would say some of the challenges that we face um, as a city are wrapped up in the fact that, you know, we're a city that, you know, went through a post-industrial age, um, was was the um, birthplace of redlining, um, was, um, you know, even though it is a northern, still a southern city, um, still has, you know, many of the effects of um, segregation still embedded in it. 
um, like almost all institutions continues to have, you know, vestiges of, um, you know, elitism, white supremacy, all sorts of things uh, rooted into it. Um, I think the tremendous opportunity that we have before us as a city is actually as a city to start anew. Um, And what uh, gives me so much hope about where we're going is the amount of focus that we are able to give as a city on small businesses, our minority-owned businesses, our women-owned businesses. I think what also gives me hope is how many of us who could go and leave and go anywhere in the world are choosing to stay here in Baltimore. So, you know, we have the ability to retain our talent. You know, I'm chair of the College Bound Foundation. So every day, like, I feel like I'm blessed to get to see, have a perspective that is rooted in the brilliance of the young people that are coming out of city schools and get to also see the great contributions that people are doing in city schools. Um, And to see how many people are able to join in with corporations and start their own corporations here and um, have support and how many people are sort of realizing like the gem that Baltimore is. I think some of the challenges are that too often, I don't think everyone gets to have the perspective that Rob, you and I get to have. They don't get to see the most beautiful parts of our city. They don't get to sort of be inundated with the great stories. Um, They don't always get to see the sunshine. They see so much more of the rain than they ought to. And so for me, I think the opportunity that we have as a city is to really allow for everyone to experience the goodness of Baltimore. Um, And I think we should challenge ourselves and demand of ourselves and hold ourselves accountable to that. Um, We should um, really try to ensure as institutions, as individuals, that we are sort of doing what we know in East Baltimore, like leaning upon one another, right? We shouldn't have uh, individuals graduating from college wondering like, where am I going to find a job in Baltimore? We really should as institutions be saying, I want every, I want every college grad to come back to Baltimore. I want every high school grad to be working in Baltimore, to be contributing to our society. I want them buying homes. I want to make sure we have eyes on every young person, that every young person that wants to can buy a home here in Baltimore. I think we need to be audacious in many ways around some of those hopes and aspirations that sometimes we utter in like small rooms or utter behind closed doors. We should be bold with that. Right. We want, we want, we want great things for all people. And that's going to mean sort of sometimes um, an offsetting for ones, but all of us going to benefit if, if, you know, more people get to not be in the rain so much and get to be in the sun. And so I think really thinking really critically about how are we ensuring that everybody is, this is their home, but they are at home in Baltimore is really important um, and are able to access those opportunities. That's going to be really critically important for us. So, you know, again, like making sure people have the opportunity to access all of the great opportunities that are here. And, you know, it's not just, a, a you know, some of us who get to see, the greatness on a daily basis of this city. 
Yeah, it's one of the things that that really gets me, and I and I, I agree with everything you said there. I I think that. It, it, we have to be intentional. We have to be audacious. We have to be advocates for the city and have that degree of pride. And there's so much delusion, so much disenfranchisement that is is here because you'll have outlets that, whether it be news or news in inverted commas, that kind of talks about city under siege and all of these kind of like hot take words. And then they have Joe Black guy or whatever, which is funny how black people are indicative of the city in one moment when it's to push a narrative and they don't exist the next moment. And it's like, yeah, this city is terrible. It's, it's terrible. Everything is like, it can't be that all the time. And really one of the other byproducts of what I, what I'm doing here and, and why I picked the people that I picked to come on and, and invite on is really, how are we disproving this longstanding erroneous narrative and really it's just like speaking to it and one of the things i think is really important here and what we do very well here as a city overall is we're authentic and mm -hmm. the moment where someone comes off as fake or something is weird it's like that's phony yeah we're not jamming with it so yeah. that's that's what a lot of this stuff is about and you have to at times kind of turn your nose to it, but it's like you got to prevent, you got to present in a very audacious way. Like this is actually what's happening. These oh, are yeah. actually good things that are happening. These oh, are yeah. really cool programs. These are really dope artists. These are great businesses and they are always ignored because they're not pushing along that, that same nar narrative. Mm -hmm. um, Cause even look at uh, what is it? What's the dude's name? Um, Jamie um, Wooten from collectively. Yep. And he's talking about the when um, Clayus Campbell made that huge donation to it. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's a football story. That's a philanthropy story. It's a black business story. No one's talking about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I, um, <clears throat> I, I often tell people I get to, you know, I get to see like I just get to see great, amazing things happening in this city. Yeah. And if you ask, I mean, then I get to see wonderful people that never get to the microphone. They never get to the, they never get on television. They'll never be written about in the paper who are extraordinary, exceptional beacons of light. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's really important. And I often say, you know, I, I'm very blessed that I get to be asked to be you know, I get to get interviewed, I get to get on podcasts, I get to be on television, I get all those things. Um, but the reality is that um, there are tens and hundreds of people just like me in this city that never get that opportunity. And if we all got to get to the mic, we'd be singing a whole different song about Baltimore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you, Rob, for doing this and having this opportunity for me. But they're so I mean, they are just, you know, and telling great stories through the voices of so many different people, because um, there's more good news to tell than than bad. And so that's a that's a good thing. That's something you know we have to get out there. Well, thank you. Have a have a couple more. Um, let's see. Tell me about what makes, and this, this is actually inside dope for me, just to be honest about it. Uh, tell me what makes uh, good leadership with respect to diversity and inclusion. 
Because I, I, I hear people talking about it all the time, especially after 2020 with um, the revisions and um, George Floyd and people suddenly going, oh, man, racism exists as a thing. So we need to make a, a effort to be more diverse and inclusive. But tell me what that looks like. And from from your standpoint of what good leadership looks like with respect to diversity and inclusion. Yeah. So I think that um, when you talk about diversity and inclusion and we talk about um, you know, what does it look like in terms of having from both a representative standpoint, but also for those who, you know, are not, not, um, you know, not black or not a woman or not, not in a, in a marginalized group. I think the, the reality is that you want to have a system wherein, you know, you are eradicating as many biases as you can, um, um, and allowing for, you know, people to really have a true meritocracy and be able to be, um, be able to achieve success and also be able to um, bring into rooms of opportunity and also power and influence ideas and concepts and um, promote them in a way that allows for there to be a radically different outcome. Um, but I don't, you know, I always say this, like, it is not enough for you to be, um, to have a, a black person in power unless they're going to use that power and platform for the benefit of other black people. Yeah. Um, so you you have to really have, be thinking about, you know, because I will tell you this, I've had many white men in, in my position who, who, who I know, but the door closes and they're the ones pushing the diversity agenda. They are... They are the champions and you wouldn't know it. Um, so I think it's really about people really ensuring that all the barriers that could be in place that are in place that prevent people from being able to achieve success, they're removed. And then when we use the platform, we recognize that equality isn't equity and equality asks a question that, you know, equity asks a question that equality never would ask. And so how we, you know, dealing with the here and now, but how are we correcting for what happened before and how are we moving forward, hopefully in a different, in, in a different vein? Yes, totally. I think that always gets confused of what equality and what equity looks like. It's like, sometimes you, other things need to happen. That needs, we need got to bring this up. You can't just say, Oh, here's one for you and one for you. Everyone's equal. No, we've, we're down big. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So this is the last question I have before I get into those quick rapid fire questions. Um, so I read that I read about various organizations for which you've served, um, in, including diversity. Uh, I'm sorry, diverse um, attorney pipeline program, uh, Open Society Institute, and Baltimore Corps, to name a few. Um, speak on the importance of building a reputation as a person who delivers on high impact initiatives and networking. Like you're like reading over, it's like how long is this bio? And it's like oh, you achieved here. Oh, there's another one for Alicia. There we go. Here's another one. <laughs> but tell me about having that. <laughs> reputation of someone who just gets it done and gets it done well. Yeah, I think um, I appreciate that, um, uh, Ralph, for you saying that. I would say this, like I have always known that the stakes were higher for me. Um, it's not lost on me that while I get to see all of the amazing talent that looks like you and me, other people don't. 
uh, it's foreign to them. And so I feel like a really um, significant sense of having to represent and present and recommend um, by my actions and my my um, performance. Um, I um, I just feel like it's you know it's important. I always try to align with something that's having an impact. It makes me feel good about what I'm doing. It also makes me feel like my time is not wasted. Right. Um, and that I'm not wasting my gifts, like I've said at the outset. Um, I know that uh, I have, you know, four foot 11. I smile a lot. People generally like me. Um, I can navigate most places. I'm pretty strategic, pretty savvy. Um, and I know I get to the mic a lot. Um, I know that I get to be at tables of influence and power a great deal. And I don't take that for granted. And I, I, I always say whenever I get those opportunities and my mentor, Ava, always stressed this to me from the outset of me meeting her. And I have so many great mentors. So I'm saying Ava, but I have so many that I can name. Um, but always choosing, um, you know, she was the first person to say to me, that excellence is a choice. Mm. It's not a birthright. Yeah. Not born into it. It's not a given. It's a choice. And so while everybody is choosing good, you choose excellence. You choose perform like excellence, produce excellent, and you will be known as excellent. And yep. people, that will be your hallmark uh, if you choose it. But if you choose good, people will know you as being good. Yeah. If you choose mediocrity, people know you, you're mediocre. Yeah. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. But for those of us that can choose to be excellent, we need to choose to be excellent. And so I, I choose to be excellent. Um, and I choose to surround myself um, because many times what I'm working on is for my community and they deserve excellence. Um, they don't deserve good. They don't deserve mediocre. They don't deserve leftovers. They deserve excellence. And so that's been sort of just how I try to carry myself and how I try to produce and uh, how I try to conduct myself. That's appreciated. And that, that comes through. Like, um, I, 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 I always look at that. If you are absolutely what you choose. And I always look at it from a, I guess I could have been a sociology teacher at one point, but I was just like, you know, whatever you're choosing, just know that there's a cost attached to it. So if Absolutely. you're choosing excellent, put, put, right. put, put that work in. If you're choosing to be mid, just enjoy being mid, enjoy capping out at 45 grand or whatever it is. No shots, but that's ultimately those, those choices and you are held, held responsible for what goes along with it. So if yeah. it's working on that jump shot, keep working on that jump shot. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. It's rapid fire questions time. Uh, rapid fire. Oh, these are hard ones. Oh no, no, no. They're 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 softballs. Yes, they are. They're hard ones. They're softballs. I assure you. Um, right. So there are five questions, um, okay. and it, essentially with these questions, you don't have to provide any extra context unless you really want to. Um, okay. All right. So I read that you love games. What are your top love. three games? Uno, Monopoly, and Gin Rummy. See, boom. See, yeah, you're not that one out. That was easy. That was a test one, though. Okay. Yep. Um, what's your favorite movie? Dave. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, a, you wouldn't guess. I wouldn't guess that. Uh, 
I, I had this uh, interview earlier today uh, with the creative director, and he had a really funny response. He was like, depends on when you ask me. And I was like, I'm the same way. Um, what is your professional philosophy? And I think you touched on it, but if, if you have, feel free to re, you know, re-engage. But uh, what's your professional philosophy? Um, my professional philosophy is um, that if you can go do good towards someone, do it. Great. Last two. What was your last Google search? Ooh, uh, I actually was searching to see if one of my friends got appointed to the bench. So was, I was searching for judicial appointments. I was searching for myself. I was like, has there been any posts about me? I Googled oh, myself. No. <laughs> what your name? That's it. That's it's, it's, it's not great because there is a lot of Rob Lee, quote unquote, out there. And I was like, oh, it's a lot of white dudes with the same name. This isn't great. Yeah, that's pretty common. I remember I went to an interview and they were like, you're not what we were expecting. And I was like, I know what that means. <laughs> we weren't expecting a six foot four, 300 pound black man strolling here. Sorry. Uh, last question. Um, what is your most commonly used emoji? Oh, the, um, the face with the hearts around it, like the three hearts. Yeah. Yeah. That's my probably number one. That's great. That's great. Um, so that's all the questions that I have, but I want to invite you to um, plug anything that you want to plug before we wrap up here. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. This has been a treat. But if there's anything you want to plug, feel free. Uh, couple things I plug. Um, I plug this podcast. So if you haven't been listening to this podcast, you need to come in and, and listen to this. Um, and not just mine, but of many others. And hopefully you get to hear them all. A um, couple of things I would plug. Um, on every Thursday at one o'clock, I do feature two entrepreneurs. So don't come to watch me, but come watch come to watch the entrepreneurs. We have so many great businesses in Baltimore. They're doing amazing thing. I've been able to interview about 140 of them. So you have to you have to come. For everyone from like cookies to <laughs> for you know companies that are doing construction so come and watch every every thursday at one o'clock on jh connects and um there's so many great things going on in baltimore so i'd say do your google search and say like <laughs> great things going on in baltimore you find a lot of stuff so there you have it folks um i'm gonna wrap up there um that was that was great uh so for alicia wilson i am rob lee saying that there is community in and around Baltimore, small business as well, in and around Baltimore, you just got to look for it. Mm -hmm.